Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Orbital Takes. Today is Wednesday, September 8th. And if you're listening to this, unfortunately, the moon mission is delayed. We did not launch on Saturday. Pat, how you doing? How you been, buddy? Yeah, you know, Chris, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, been anticipating this Artemis launch like you, like you have, like millions of other people. And we're just going to have to wait just a little bit longer, it looks like. Yeah, yeah hydrogen leaks got us again on Saturday. Not to mention, yeah. that, you know, I woke up on Saturday. I was excited about it. But at the same time, college football is back. I feel like yeah. we lost that moment uh, that uh, Monday, September, or uh, what was it, August 29th. Like that was just such, looking back, that was such a perfect day. Monday, nothing's going on. It was oh, like, I you know. know, it was this targeted date that we were like all looking forward to. And now it's not, it's potentially not even going to happen until October, bro. And I don't even know if it's going to happen in October. I'm not just trying to talk shit. I really don't think it is. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, October 17th is like the next no earlier than uh, date that they've, they put out there. Mm. Man, liquid hydrogen, man. It's uh, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll we'll talk about like the liquid hydrogen thing later, but yeah, the <laughs> uh, the the late October launch window. That's if everything goes right in the VAB over the next couple of weeks, and they're able to pin down that quick disconnect uh issue there. So, I'm I'm hopeful, but you know, as we've seen this. Rocket is just going to continue to chug along and uh, yeah, we'll see when it launches. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, so it it's crazy. All those wet dress rehearsals. I thought everything was ready to go. I mean, I was down in Florida, bro. I am so happy. I did not stay another week. Cause I was thinking about it. I was thinking about staying oh, the whole man. month. I'm so, I saved myself thousands of dollars just for not believing in this rocket. Unfortunately. Um, I think it's also interesting that one of the reasons why it's going to take so long to get back up is because they uh, apparently they have like a 25 day limit for the certification of the Mm -hmm. flight termination system. So the thing that will in the future potentially save astronauts lives like that has a 25 day expiration date, which I think is great. Right. So I'm going to say, you know, if, if it has to, you know, take longer because we're going to make sure that I'm going to be safe riding that thing one day as a certified astronaut and maybe NASA astronaut. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm fine with that, but uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to see this thing go out in this month and we're not going to, we're probably not going to see it go out in October. I don't know. So that never, really what's, what's going to happen first, Chris, is my son going to be born or is the Artemis <laughs> one rocket going to fly? When is the, uh, what is the expected October due date 25th? October Dude. 25th is the due date. So what if it happens on the know. same day? You got to throw some type of Artemis in there. I might have to name him Artemis at that point. Yeah, shit. We're not, I don't, we're not going to give up the name of Pat's uh, unborn son, but you know, it could potentially be one of the Greek gods. You never know. Uh, you know, if it launches on the day that Artemis one launches, I'm going to have some, uh, some reconsidering to do. That's that sure. would be crazy. I mean, this is <laughs> uh, already going to be a massive space fan. Imagine he gets like the blessing of being, what ways would it be a blessing or would it be a curse to be born on uh, the launch day of Artemis one? Oh, definitely a blessing. Are you yeah, kidding? Yeah. yeah. He's already grown up with a space nerd as a dad. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, it, it'll all come together. Yeah. yeah, see, when that's one of the reasons why I want to have kids, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I mean? I want to be able to teach my kid space. They have engineering and astrophysics for infants. Uh, no they shit. have they they have books. Yeah, uh, uh, not not even kidding. Um, yeah, 
So, at what age that, that's got me thinking at what age did you learn what the universe was i don't think i put the dots dude. together i mean I, we still don't really understand what the fuck it is like let's, let's be real <laughs> that's but a good point i think that <laughs> i realized that the sun had an expiration date i think at some point in middle school and that's when i learned that we don't live forever and that's when the panic attacks set in and i think that's mm. when i became a space fan because i wanted to learn more about it and i wanted to be like wait right. wait a minute like let me better understand this. I think somebody in my class was like, you know, the sun's going to die, right? And I was just like, fuck, really? <laughs> I want to say, yeah, I I want to, I, Apollo 13, I remember viscerally my reaction to seeing that in the theaters and like, holy shit, I can't believe that actually happened. Yeah. can't believe people actually did that. But I want to say I had a general understanding of space and whatnot before then. But that, yeah. that when I was eight years old, that would really kicked off my space nerd dumb yeah, you know what would be dope if we did as a as a podcast? Why don't we bring somebody on here that has never seen one of these launches before? I guarantee you we could find somebody easily on the internet that's never seen a NASA launch, that's never seen a SpaceX launch, and may, either they're a uh, flat earther or whatever. Maybe we just talk to them about it, right, and just, like, watch it with them and see the reaction. That'd be really interesting because I nope. bet you not everybody has seen a space shuttle launch, like, in 4K like they have out there on the internet, you know? That would be an interesting case study to do that. Yeah. yeah I also I, haven't seen a rocket launch, so I could be your guest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is your first launch going to be? Is it going to be Artemis 2? I hope not, but it might be. Yeah. So I, I, I hope to make it, I hope to make it down there with you to Starbase uh, yeah. before then, uh, considering Artemis 2 is looking like it'll be, you know, 2024 at, at the earliest. Uh -huh. So yeah, potentially is going to be Ar Artemis 2, but I, I hope not. I hope yeah. it's quicker than that yeah my first was a falcon 9 and it definitely won't be the last we'll get down there and see some more um so what should we do here should we dive into launch and scrub of the week or do you want to talk a little bit about what the jwst has been doing recently i mean this telescope has been fucking on fire pat there's so uh, yeah. much news that's come out where oh like what, where do we start yeah just this morning was another one of those hot uh hot content drops from the jw out of team nowhere there. Out of nowhere, the Tarantula Nebula. Holy shit, that thing is is beautiful. Uh, and the first direct images of of exoplanets last week. Yeah, this mm. thing has been doing work. Yeah, the first one of the first direct images of that exoplanet. That was a moment that like I was like shocked. I was shocked to see mm -hmm. that shit. When you look at all four of those different filters, and mm -hmm. you're literally looking at a planet that is so far away from us right now. And I think only about twenty exoplanets have been like directly imaged. This was the first with the JWST. But normally, right. you know, we find them through the transit method, or, or you know, through different ways that we can measure the light around the star. But directly fucking imaging this thing—that's yeah. sick. I want to look at closer exoplanets. Then I think this was like three hundred sixty something light years away which is relatively yeah. closely in space i want to go even closer i want to go to yeah. like alpha centauri uh i know that this is important to the general public you know my my wife was like hey did you see this exoplanet thing that is really cool and yeah. so uh people are, are definitely noticing outside of just the uh the space nerds that that yeah. we uh follow and whatnot it made it into the general the general public love that i love that yeah, yeah. and uh so that jwst has been going on fire lately and so for, we only have 5k exoplanets discovered right now we're going to be mm -hmm. hearing about new exoplanets discoveries i would say about two a week until we die from now on because there's another discovery you know all these papers are being written about um a lot of the science that's been done so not everything gets public right one another story i don't know if you saw is like they found sand in one of the like skies of another exoplanet did you see that one recently? i didn't see that 
yeah, it's it's like some paper that just was published, I think, like a week ago. And they're like, we found sand in the atmosphere. It's like sand in the atmosphere. What the fuck? Oh, We're going to wow. be hearing some crazy shit from this yeah. telescope. And we can actually help the science, too. Didn't you say there was like a website that we can go and like, like take data and just like put it into different fucking like ways to analyze yeah. it? Yeah, you can see the raw data from the James Webb telescope. There is a uh, there's a, a Twitter bot that every time a, an image comes in, it just automatically gets uploaded. There's some kind of workflow that they uh, were right, able to program there. Yeah. Uh, now these are like raw black and white images. You look at it, and you're like, okay, like what am I supposed to do with that? I'm not an image processor, but I was just fooling around in there the other week, and it's like there was this like star with like a ripple kind of thing going on it's like what the hell is that and then over the weekend they uh released the the color version of that and it's like holy shit so yeah Yeah. anybody can do that that's the the beautiful thing about nasa is all this stuff is public domain so Mm. you know all of the rovers and and orbiters and things like that have these types of raw images the anybody can access you just have to be a talented image processor to do anything with them yeah i kind of want to learn how to do that really well just become like an amateur astronomer right sit back on sundays have the game on get a bunch of data and just process it and better understand the fucking universe that'd be sick man (laughs) you sound pretty nerdy there dude yeah i'm with you i'm with you no, everybody today in my group chat was talking about our fantasy draft at nine o'clock. And I'm like, dude, Tarantula Nebula. Like, have you seen it? <laughs> All right, let's jump into launch and scrub of yeah. the week. Who's going first? I think uh, you went first last week, right? Should I yeah, yeah, yeah. you go first. All right. So my launch of the week is uh, is a sad one this week. All right, guys. So I'm sad to say uh, Frank Drake passed away last week on September. Uh, I think it was September 3rd or September 2nd. And he was the man. He was one of the pioneers of the search for extraterrestrial life. Well, he's known best for the Drank equation, right? Mm -hmm. Which is uh, the equation that is used to estimate the number of intelligent civilizations in our galaxy, which is there's a website where you can just go type in any number you want. And pretty much any number you type in gives you like a thousand intelligent alien civilizations Hmm. in our galaxy. So I love doing that. Uh, Some of the other shit that he did, he helped map the center of the Milky Way. He discovered that Jupiter has a radiation belt. He worked on Venus's atmosphere. Um, And then the two coolest things besides the Drake message that obviously, you know, is on t-shirts everywhere. They sell it in like hot topic, that equation. Uh, He helped craft the Arecibo message in 1974, which uh, he like sent to this globular star cluster M13. And that was like this iconic, Iconic space message. Then he also worked with Carl Sagan on some of the golden records. So this guy has just always been around space. He's a total nerd with it. And uh, yeah, man, he really, I think, pushed the envelope when it comes to like humans understanding that we are not alone in the galaxy or potentially we are alone in the galaxy. So that, that's just mm-hmm. some crazy shit. And I want to uh, I want to launch Frank Drake's life. How do you feel about that? Did he uh, was he involved in the founding of SETI? Yes, yes. He was one of the pioneers in SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And uh, SETI right now is massive and they're collabing with uh, the UFO community, which is which is great for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. UAP community. There you go. Come on now. Let's use the right uh, lingo there. You know what I mean? What is (laughs) it'll uh, it'll always be UFO to me. (laughs) uh, No, for real. Me too, bro. We grew up on that shit. Yeah. What's uh sorry, what's your what's your launch of the week? So my launch of the week is the Voyager One anniversary. So Voyager One is uh 45, it was launched 45 years ago. So think about that. There's people who have spent their entire career working on the Voyager One and Voyager Two on the Voyager Mm -hmm. mission. The Voyager Interstellar message is a golden record on the Voyager spacecraft that is going to be, you know, uh orbiting the center of the Milky Way for 
you know, potentially billions of years. And this is humanity's first interstellar spacecraft. They've been cruising on out uh, since wow. the since the seventies. They have left the influence of our star and they are now in the interstellar medium where they continue to send back data 45 years later these are the only spacecraft who have visited neptune and uranus they gave us our first views of titan of europa of all uh, all of the iconic photos of jupiter and saturn from back in the 70s come from voyager they really launched the planetary science um discipline and it's really hard to understate these uh, these probe significance in spaceflight and mm-hmm. human space exploration. So yeah. uh, it's a there's a great documentary on Netflix called uh, The Furthest or The Farthest. It's one yep. of those, yep. and it's about the uh, the thought the thought process of coming up with the Voyager mission when they realized that all the outer planets were going to be aligning and they could hit all of them within like a 10 to 15 year span, as opposed mm-hmm. to taking decades to, to get to them. So, uh, so yeah, that's one of my personal, uh, my personal favorite missions of, of all time. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's just hard to understate the significance of, of these. We could have 10 episodes and still not even cover everything about For the sure. Voyager 1 and 2. Me too. It's one of my favorite space missions. You see a lot of tattoos of the Golden Records. Yeah. I don't know, a lot in like Williamsburg area and uh, New York City. I don't know. I feel like like as space fans, like those records are so famous. The Voyager yeah. actual, like the way they put, put together. The documentary that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. guys, if you have not watched it, stop this episode and go watch that right now. It is fucking incredible. You're right. How everybody was like so rushed. They're like, there was this one alignment happening and it wasn't going to happen for a long time again. They're like, we got to go, go, go. And yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the photos and videos they used on the, those golden records were a little weird, but you know, that's a, that's a good launch. That's a good launch right there. 45 years. What was that? 1970. I think they were launched in 77. So they've been cruising since then. Uh, one of the coolest things they did was when they turned around one of them and took the solar system photo. Mm-hmm. And you can see all of the planets and, and the sun in there. And Earth is just one little pale blue dot. That's where we get that famous um, soliloquy from. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, these things are, are awesome. Uh, the golden record uh, was interesting. The wife of Carl Sagan was the creative director for that record. And they had like six months to somehow get a uh, representation of all of humanity's music onto yeah. this record. Um, and I just listened to an interview with her and uh, Andrewian is her name. And uh, she's still around. She's the executive producer of, of Cosmos. So uh, she's still around. People are still around who were involved with this um, even 45 years later. Carl Sagan, I feel like he died young, right? Like, didn't he die in his 60s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He died super young. He died in the, so in the 90s or th- from, I think, from cancer. But yeah, we lost him way too young, yeah, fortunately. I, I think OT should do, we should create a new segment on, like, like maybe like once every other week, we'll dive into one of these pioneers of, like, the space game. Like, Carl Sagan, Frank Drake, you know, like Albert Einstein, people like, like that. I like I that know. idea. Yeah, and like yeah, we'll we got to we'll get some it. of these names out there. Yeah, yeah, because I bet you a lot of people still don't know who Carl Sagan is, and he is like the godfather of uh, space. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for sure. Shit. All right, so let's go into yeah. scrub of the week. My yeah, what you got for scrub of the, of the week, dude? So my scrub of the week is a little controversial. I am going to scrub aspects of the Big Bang Theory, right? I'm not scrubbing the whole Big Bang Theory, Pat. I just want to okay. scrub certain parts of it 
that we don't okay. fully understand, right? So a lot of drama is happening online right now. Now that the James Webb Telescope is looking further back into time than we've ever seen, you know, mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of stuff that we didn't expect. And some of the issues right now is you have papers coming out that, you know, you have some scientists panicking, you have some saying not, you know, we expected this, but the one thing that we can confirm is that this is going to change our understanding of the universe, right? The James Webb telescope. So I'm going to scrub the, an aspect of the big bang theory that we don't know yet. Right. So I'm scrubbing something that we are about to, I think disprove or either prove incorrect or prove correct. Because a lot of these galaxies that we're seeing earlier on in the universe, we're looking at them. We're like, that isn't supposed to look like that, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Some of these galaxies, if they, if we're looking at light, let's say a couple hundred million years after the Big Bang, and then you're looking at this galaxy and you're like, you know, that galaxy looked like it took 9 billion years to form or maybe 2 billion years, you know, something around that. It's like, what the fuck is happening, right? Is, mm -hmm. is there, has, was there actually a Big Bang? And, you know, is the universe static? I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of these big questions are going to be brought up in the news, a lot, you know, a lot recently. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to scrub right. I don't know. I'm going to scrub the Big Bang Theory, man. I know it's fucked up. But I'm going to scrub it for now. What do you think? That's that's some mind blowing shit there, man. <laughs> uh, that is the uh, the New York Times just had a on their podcast a an episode dedicated to huge questions like that. And uh, I would uh, encourage anybody who is interested in this kind of stuff to to go listen to that. It's uh, an episode of the of the Daily that was maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's some wild and crazy questions that I think we are finally having the ability to answer some of them with these mm -hmm. instruments like the the James Webb. Yeah, the JWST, baby. Yeah, so basically, guys, to be clear, I am going to scrub the Big Bang Theory. Fuck it. What up? It's a theory. We, we have not confirmed it. I think that uh, <laughs> something's happening here soon, and I think that we're going to have a that new theory a, come out. That is an orbital take if I've ever heard one. <laughs> I know. I feel like we just lost some followers there. You know I mean? <laughs> I'm going to scrub one of the foundations of modern science. <laughs> I'm literally going to scrub something that we have uh, mathematical evidence for now. <laughs> I'm going to scrub the theory of evolution because yeah, yeah. we just don't know. I mean, I'm basically scrubbing everything humanity has ever stood for. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. funny. Uh, all right. So what's your scrub of the week? My scrub of the week is liquid hydrogen. Uh, liquid, <laughs> liquid hydrogen is the bastard that is preventing the Artemis 1 launch from, Dude, from continuing I'm going to kick on. liquid hydrogen's ass, bro. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have the trouble finding liquid hydrogen because it is the smallest and lightest atom on the periodic table. Oh, shit. Which is why uh, it's so difficult. NASA has been dealing with these going back to the early 60s. And uh, I read that on average, each shuttle launch, and not every single one, but on average, each shuttle launch was scrubbed at least one time due to a hydrogen leak. So think about that. We've been dealing with this for, for decades now. Um, one of the most wild things ever that i learned was in the early days of gemini and apollo uh liquid hydrogen it, when it catches on fire it burns clear uh you can't see it you can't smell it you can't feel it unless you're right like, like right next to it of course um we they would have nasa the national aeronautics and space administration who put men on the moon would have guys walking around in those uh fire retardant suits waving brooms around the rockets to see if the brooms caught on fire and if they caught on fire they knew there was a hydrogen leak somewhere mm. so that's how nasty this stuff is of course we need it to 
make rocket fuel and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it does serve a purpose, obviously, but uh, it's just uh, so finicky. So I'm going to scrub liquid hydrogen. We are definitely scrubbing liquid hydrogen, whether we want to scrub it or not. It's been yeah. scrubbed, Pat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, wait, I was going to say something funny about that. Oh, yeah. So this has taught us, guys, that if NASA ever has any type of issue with the SLS before launch, scrub your plans don't wait for the overall press announcement clearly they just buy time for like three <laughs> hours for bill nelson to like figure out what he wants to say and then they scrub it officially like there's no way that they're gonna like just like find a hydrogen leak and just like tape it and just fucking go there's no right way. You know yeah I mean? yeah i know they they tried several things to like reseal that stuff like the seals have to happen. be like literally yeah. perfect um because as Bill Nelson said, if you take a grain of sand, <laughs> you take a, an atom of liquid hydrogen yeah. on the end. Yeah, it's it's a, it, it'll literally go through straight through some materials like steel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, you know, I know everybody's probably getting sick of talk, talking about our I mean, we are, too. We're getting like I, I like don't know what else we can say about it. Like this rocket sucks. You know what I mean? The rocket sucks. We're not going to October and uh, potentially even later. So uh, shit, man. That's I'm not going to say the rocket sucks, but I'm going to say it's frustrating. It's a frustrating rocket that I like want to beat the shit out of. Is that nice? <laughs> is, is that nicer, Pat? <laughs> put them up. Put them up. Literally, you know, liquid hydrogen, like meet me in the back of town so I can fight you. Um, all right. So, you know, they have another episode of Orbital Takes. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, Pat, you got anything? Thanks for everybody who's recently followed us. We're up to a hundred followers now, which, uh, you know, brick by brick is, as we say, Spo, but, uh, we really appreciate all the support everybody and give us a, a review and five stars on whatever podcast platform you listen to. That'd be a huge uh, help for us. There you go, guys. And we will see you next week in Ad Astra, baby. Ad Astra. Ad Astra.